Welcome to the Dhamma Podcast. The audio recording that follows was recorded during S.N. Goenka's tour of North America in 2002, known as the Meditation Now Tour. This podcast will be updated monthly, with additional archives from S.N. Goenka's talks and questions and answer sessions, as well as other speakers discussing aspects of Vipassana meditation as taught by S.N. Goenka. This podcast is sponsored by Pariyati, a nonprofit publisher that offers written, audio, and video content and whose mission is to enrich the world by disseminating the words of the Buddha, providing sustenance for the seeker's journey, and illuminating the meditator's path. For more information regarding Pariyati, please go to www.pariyati.org. That is www.pariyati.org. For more information on Vipassana meditation as taught by S. Goenka, including a schedule of courses offered throughout the world, please see www.dhamma.org. That is www.dhamma.org. Friends, citizens of this great city of Toronto, the city of tolerance, I was so pleased to learn that United Nations have announced that this is a wonderful city where maximum people of maximum religions, maximum cultures are living all so peacefully, so harmoniously. It is a good news for me. I am so happy. This is what is wanted throughout the world. We have all assembled here this evening to understand what is Vipassana and how does it help us in our day-to-day life and how it is relevant in today's world. Vipassana is spirituality, applied spirituality, practical spirituality, nothing but spirituality. And the spirituality is to live a moral life. with disciplined mind, with pure mind, full of love, compassion, goodwill, tolerance. This is spirituality. Not necessary tied to this religion or that religion. Every religion worth its name teaches this spirituality, live a moral life, have a disciplined mind. To live moral life, one must have a disciplined mind and have a pure mind, free from all the negativities, full of love, compassion, goodwill and tolerance. Every religion 
This is the quintessence of every religion. Greatest denomination of all the religions of the world. Common to every religion. But a religion also has an outer shell which differs from one religion to another religion. This outer shell is different rites, rituals, ceremonies, celebrations, philosophical beliefs, disbelief, that belief, some dogmas, some cult, which differs from one religion to another religion. Nothing wrong. Let, let people be happy with their own ceremonies, their rites, their rituals, their belief. But the difficulty comes when you forget all about this inner essence. If full importance is given to this inner essence, the spirituality, live a moral life. Have a disciplined mind. Have a pure mind. Full of love, compassion, goodwill and tolerance. People of different tradition may have different rites, different rituals, different ceremonies, so what? Let them be happy with that. Have tolerance. But when the inner essence is lost and all importance is given to this outer shell, this outer shell without this inner essence of spirituality is an empty vessel from which the nectar is leaked away. Then the difficulty arises. People get so very much attached. My religion, and they take it as religion. That means my rites, my rituals, my ceremonies, my beliefs, my dogma. This is the right thing. Everybody else, every other religion is not good, not right. Mine is right. Mine is right. And this difficulty becomes worse. One gets made after this attachment. Everyone else must practice the rites that I practice, the ritual that I practice, the belief that I have. Everybody must do that. If they don't do, they are non-believers. And non-believers are a curse on the human society. If they don't agree, kill them. All this madness of fundamentalism, terrorism, it starts because the inner essence of spirituality is lost. Every religion will claim, even those who have become terrorists and started harming others, killing others, they also agree. Our religion accepts morality. Look, in our religion also, morality is taught. In our religion also, a disciplined mind is taught. A pure mind is taught. What are you practicing? When people get a taste to this outer shell, empty shell, they never practice the inner sense. If they practice in other sense, what quarrel there can be? Because this is the same with everybody. 
Well, someone can say, I live a better moral life. Good. We will also try to live a better moral life. What quarrel? No quarrel. But when you insist people to have this belief, this belief, every other belief is wrong, this belief is right, then the trouble starts. That is why the enlightened person was very careful. Spirituality may not get lost by giving all the importance to the outer shell. So he taught nothing but spirituality. Vipassana is nothing but spirituality. Nothing else is added to it. A moral life, which in the language of those days was called Shila. That means you abstain from all such vocal, physical, unwholesome actions which will harm others, which will hurt others, which will disturb the peace and harmony of others, don't perform such actions. And for that, have a controlled mind, disciplined mind, to which you call samadhi. Become your own master. Become master of this mad mind. Otherwise it will take you on the wrong path. Be your own master. And then only you can perform wholesome actions. That is called samadhi. You control over your mind. And that is not enough. If there is impurity in the mind, when you have control over the mind, the mind becomes calm, quiet, tranquil, peaceful, also pure. But just at the surface level, or slightly deeper, deep inside, at the root level, it is full of impurities, full of defilements, anger, hatred, ill will, craving, aversion, ego. So many impurities are there and they keep on multiplying. And one does not know what is happening at the depth of the mind. One keeps on dealing with the surface of the mind only. So the third step, which was called Panya, Pragya, that means wisdom, inside. Develop an ability so that you can go deep inside and survey the fact, the reality within yourself and correct it. If there is something wrong, correct it. Self-introspection, self-observation and self-correction. You are your own master, nobody else. You defiled your mind no outside invisible power is interested to defile your mind out of ignorance. I have defiled my mind. I am responsible to purify it. Somebody very compassionately can show me the path. This is how you can go to the depth of the mind. And this is how you can realize how the impurity arises, how it multiplies and how it overpowers you. Then you become helpless. You perform such unwholesome actions, vocal as well as physical, which normally you would not have done. But because you are overpowered by this impurity, you perform such actions. And maybe later on you repent, I should not have said so, I should not have done so. 
that doesn't help. Next time, similar situation. And you again react in the same way. Because at the root level of the mind, the habit pattern is not changed. The same habit pattern generating defilement after defilement, defilement after defilement. This technique of Vipassana starts with morality, not merely sermons of morality, practical morality. Whenever you decide to learn this technique and you join a camp with congenial atmosphere and a proper guide, you start by taking five precepts. I will abstain from killing, abstain from stealing, abstain from sexual misconduct for these ten days, no sexual activity, abstain from speaking lies, abstain from taking any kind of intoxicants. With this base, if you keep on breaking these precepts, you will understand as you go further that every time you break any of this precept, you have to generate some impurity or the other in your mind. And that will disturb your mind. And when the mind is so disturbed, how can you go to the depth of the mind? So at least for these ten days, observe these precepts scrupulously, scrupulously. After ten days, you are your own master. If you find it is good for you, and certainly it is good for you, then observe this for the whole life. But now, at least these ten days, work with morality. And then the control of the mind. The mind, which is a monkey mind, keeps on wandering here, there, never gets concentrated. There are many objects. You have to have some object or the other to train your mind to get concentrated. There are many objects with the help of which you can train your mind to get concentrated. This enlightened person gave an object which is always with us. From the time we have taken birth till the time we pass away. Day and night, so long as we are alive, this object of awareness is always with us, our own breath, the breath coming in, the breath going out. And to go to the depth of the mind, it is necessary that you work with the truth, nothing but truth. Truth pertaining to the reality of this combination of mind and matter at the experiential level and the breath is related both to the mind and the matter. At the apparent level it looks, it is a physical function. The lungs are working, so I breathe out or breathe in. Yes, it is true. But at the same time, it is also true that the breath is strongly related to mind and very strongly related to mental impurities. As one keeps on practicing, it becomes clearer and clearer that as and when I generate any defilement in my mind, anger, hatred, ill will, passion, fear, ego, any defilement, 
if I am a good Vipassana meditator, I will notice the breath is no more normal. No more normal. It becomes slightly hard, slightly fast. And when that impurity is gone, again it becomes normal. So very clear, our breath is strongly related to our mind also and mental impurities. And that is why he gave the subject of breath. So first lesson, just observe your breath. Sit comfortably in any posture that keeps you comfortable for longer periods at a stretch is a good posture for you. Not necessary to sit in a lotus posture or half lotus posture. If someone can sit conveniently, go ahead, nothing wrong. Otherwise, any posture that keeps you comfortable for longer periods at a stretch is a good posture for you. Keep your back and neck straight. This will make your mind more attentive. Keep your eyes gently closed, your mouth gently closed. And focus your entire attention on the area below the nostrils, above the upper lip. Keep on observing, that means keep on feeling the breath coming in, the breath going out. Natural breath, normal breath. Never try to make it a breathing exercise. Never try to control the breath. You are developing the faculty to feel the reality as it is, yatha bhuta, as it is, not as you would like it to be, as it is. If the breath is deep, it is deep. Just accept the fact, it is deep. If it is shallow, it is shallow. If it passes to left nostril, left nostril. Right nostril, right nostril. Just observe the reality as it is, as it is. Don't interfere with the natural flow of the breath. Mere observation, bare observation. Nothing but breath, no verbalization, no visualization, no imagination, no speculation, no suggestion, outer suggestion or auto suggestion, no imposition, imposition of this philosophical belief or that philosophical belief, nothing doing. It's a pure science to understand the interaction of mind and matter. All other things are irrelevant. Just observe the breath as it is. Nothing but breath, bare breath, mere breath. You have to do nothing. Mere observation. Like someone sitting at the bank of the river and the river is flowing. One has nothing to do for the flow of the river. One is just observing the flow of the river. So also keep your mind here, attention here, and keep on observing the natural flow of the breath as it is. So easy. So easy, you have to do nothing. Things are happening naturally. The breath is coming in, going out naturally. What you have to do? It's not a breathing exercise, it is not pranayam. Pranayam is wonderful for some other purposes. But here, pranayam is not needed. No control of the breath. Here the exercise is to develop your faculty to remain aware, aware of the truth as it is. So easy. And yet, 
whenever you will decide to join a camp of 10 days and whenever you start working as per the instructions, you will find so difficult, so difficult. You will hardly observe a couple of breaths and the mind is gone somewhere. And then after long time you realize what happened. I was here to observe my breath. What I am doing? All right, you again start. Again in a few seconds, mind is gone. Few seconds, mind is gone. Many a times I have found, not all, but quite a few new students on the first day become very frustrated, very irritated, develop negativity towards oneself, towards one's own mind. What sort of mind I am carrying? Well, you have to do nothing. Just observe. And even this much you can't do. What sort of mind? Then the guide will say, no, don't generate negativity. You have come here to get yourself liberated from negativities. And what you are doing? Negativity is negativity. Towards somebody else or towards yourself makes no difference. You are a miserable person when you generate negativity. Just accept the fact, the reality of the moment. You are observing the breath, observing the breath, mind wandered away. As soon as you realize, oh, mind has wandered away, smilingly accept, oh, mind has wandered away. All right, I start again. The breath is still there. Mind wandered away. And you realize mind has wandered away. All right, you accept, mind has wandered away. Don't react with negativity. A training is given. Training is given. And very rarely you are with the breath, most of the time your mind, a monkey mind, keeps on rolling in the past, in the future, in the past, in future. But very patiently, persistently, continuously you keep on working, keep on working. So far as this path is concerned, continuity of practice is the secret of success. It is the continuity of practice which will take you to the deeper levels of the mind, to nearer and nearer to your goal of full liberation. And that is why you make yourself a prisoner of spirituality for ten days and you work there without having any connection from outside world. After one day, you will find mind has calmed down a little. The third day, a little more calm down, not fully calm down, but still much better than what it was on the first day. And as you are working, as you are working continuously, many a times one notices the breath automatically becomes finer and finer, subtler and subtler, shorter and shorter, at times so short And like a thin thread, it comes out and makes a U-turn immediately. It turns out, makes a U-turn. And the mind is observing it, observing it. So naturally the mind becomes sharper and sharper, subtler and subtler, more and more sensitive. All these three days are for that purpose, to make the mind very sharp, very sensitive so that it can realize, it can feel subtler realities pertaining to this mind-matter phenomena. At the end of the third day, you start experiencing subtler realities. 
you were working on a small area and there is again a very important requirement of this technique you have to keep your attention on a very small area the mind should get concentrated one pointed concentration that is why this small area from here you feel the breath coming in going out a small area will make the mind sharper and sharper you start feeling something else besides the breath the entire body every moment there is some biochemical reaction or the other going on some electromagnetic reactions going on throughout the body every moment which manifest itself as this physical sensation or that physical sensation different kinds of physical sensations keep on cropping up in the whole body you were working on a small area you start feeling different sensations on this part of the body maybe heat maybe perspiration maybe throbbing pulsing vibrating tingling many many kinds of physical vibrations to nothing just observe just observe the reality as it is now it is a subtle reality you were working with the breath which was gross compared to these sensations that you started feeling from the fourth day onwards you start working from the top of the head to the tips of the toes you observe the entire body part by part part by part and you find there is sensation everywhere sensation is there all the time but the mind is not subtle enough not sensitive enough to feel only very gross unpleasant sensations like pain pressure heaviness heat etc the conscious mind feels that easily but there are so many other so many other sensations as you go much deeper a stage will come where the entire physical structure is nothing but very subtle oscillation very subtle oscillation difficult to grasp difficult to feel but you have to make your mind so sharp so sensitive to feel that that's why 3 days you were working and the fourth day you start feeling sensations throughout the body but initially one comes across very gross sensations pain pressure etc but if you keep on working keep on working objectively observe the reality objectively that means without identifying yourself with the sensation no i no mind sensation is sensation not my sensation sensation that's all keep on observing as it is as it is don't react if the sensation is unpleasant don't react with aversion if the sensation is pleasant don't react with craving but this was the old habit pattern all the time when you come across something unpleasant the old habit was to react react with aversion when you come across something pleasant the old habit was to react react with craving clinging so as you are practicing the old habit keeps on coming up and you say no i'm not going to react no more reaction no more reaction i had enough enough of this craving enough of this aversion you start changing the habit pattern of the mind and you find the mind is becoming still sharper and sharper subtler and subtler and the result is on the fifth day sixth day seventh day it all depends from meditator to meditator a stage comes when the entire solidity of the body gets dissolved 
these solid sensations solidified intensified gross sensations they start getting divided dissected disintegrated dissolve dissolve there is no more solidity in the body no imagination imagination is totally prohibited one has to experience this truth if you are not experiencing it don't imagine just be with the reality naturally this stage is bound to come this was a great discovery of this enlightened person see 26 centuries back when there was no such scientific apparatus scientific instrument he discovered this reality that the entire material body and the entire material world just tiny little tiny little particles invisible particles and he gave the name kalapa tiniest particle of the material world he said kalapa and that kalapa is also in today's world we say atom is also not solid this is just wavelets wavelets so the entire material world the material body is mere wavelets wavelets pakampito pakampito sabbo loko pakampito he realized this reality at the experiential level and not only body but the mind also the mental contents they come so much solidified anger any emotion anger passion fear so solidified and when you start observing it observing it observing it with their effect on the body observing it observing it it gets divided dissected disintegrated dissolved turns into vibration vibration mere vibration the entire physical structure the entire mental structure the combination of the two mere vibration mere vibration you are not reaching this stage just to fulfill your curiosity about the mind and matter what it is or somebody said mere vibration all right i am experiencing now mere vibration so what it is for some particular purpose and the purpose is to change the habit pattern of your mind to change the habit of generating impurity in the mind to purify the mind see how it happens in a very scientific way one starts understanding the interaction of mind and matter when you reach that stage that everything is mere vibration mere vibration vibration of this wavelength or that wavelength of this velocity or that velocity but mere vibration vibration the attention goes to the eyes mere vibration to the ears mere vibration nose mere vibration tongue mere vibration body mere vibration mind mere vibration these are the only sense doors six sense doors due to which we come in contact with the world outside otherwise the world is no world for us it doesn't exist at all for someone who is blind birth blind for this person there is no world of light or shape or color one is deaf from the birth for this person there is no world of sound so the world is world when it comes in contact with one or the other of these six sense doors you are now examining your attention has gone to a particular sense door say eye sense door and you find something comes in contact with it a shape a form a color a light ear sense door a sound comes in contact 
nose sense door is smell comes in contact tongue sense door it taste comes in contact body sense door something tangible comes in contact mind sense door some thought or emotion comes in contact what happens a good meditator after reaching a certain stage of vipassana mind comes to the ear sense door vibration vibration something has come in contact with the ear sense door sound has come in contact with the ear sense door now see what happens the interaction of mind and matter in a very scientific way no blind belief no blind faith the truth that you experience in a very scientific way a sound has come in contact and you will notice one segment of the mind one part of the mind will raise its head or oh, look something is happening something has happened at the ear sense door or something has happened at the eye sense door or nose sense door or tongue sense door or body sense door or mind sense door this part of the mind its job is to cognize something has happened it cognizes whatever has happened whatever has come in contact is a vibration and the body is also vibration the sense door is also vibration vibration coming in contact with another vibration like a strike a bomb a new vibration starts and that vibration is not merely at the point where you strike the gong the entire gong starts vibrating sound has come in contact with the ear sense too the vibration has come in contact with the vibration of the ear sense too another vibration starts and throughout the body there is a flow of neutral vibration throughout the body what happens immediately the second part of the mind its job is to recognize hey what what came in contact with this with the ear sound what sound some words what words words of abuse words of insult or the words of praise with all the memory of the past with all the experience of the past this part of the mind recognizes and not only recognizes it gives evaluation words of abuse very bad words of praise ah wonderful it has given valuation then you will notice as soon as this valuation is given very bad this net neutral flow of vibration changes immediately into very unpleasant flow of vibration throughout the body very unpleasant valuation is given praise oh wonderful and you will find this this vibration change very pleasant very pleasant third part of the mind starts feeling these vibrations pleasant unpleasant and immediately the fourth part of the mind starts working its job is to react unpleasant sensation it will react with aversion i don't like it i don't like it aversion hatred aversion hatred pleasant sensation ah i like it wonderful craving clinging craving clinging this fourth part of the mind a dangerous part it creates all these difficulties craving aversion craving aversion at the apparent level it looks at i am reacting to some outside object a sound some words words of praise or words of abuse this is just apparent truth but the real truth is that you are reacting to the body sensations body sensations caused by outside object and the valuation given by one part of your mind but the reaction starts craving or aversion starts only with the body sensation when you feel body sensation 
This was a great discovery. Great discovery, I say him, a super scientist of the spiritual world. Great discovery. When we go through the literature of Indian scriptures of different tradition of that time, we find every religion, or I can say most of the religions they were teaching, don't react to these outside objects. Don't generate craving or aversion, raga or dvesha, towards this outside object. Every, every religion says so. Buddha says, no, we are not reacting to these outside objects. You are reacting to the body sensation, which was something new. Nobody knew before that, that we are reacting to body sensation. And when we go to the depth of the mind, we find that constantly the deepest level of the mind is in contact with the body sensation, day and night. Day and night throughout the body, different kinds of sensations are arising, passing away, arising, passing away, pleasant, unpleasant, neutral. And all the time this mad mind keeps on reacting, craving, aversion, craving, aversion. Constantly, that has become such a strong habit pattern. This is at this root level that the habit has to be changed. There are many techniques by which you can calm down your mind. You change the habit of your mind at the surface level. I should not react with craving. I should not react with aversion. Good. Compared to those people who keep on reacting all the time with craving and aversion, at least at the conscious level, at the intellectual level, you are coming out of that habit. So what? At the depth of the mind, this habit is becoming stronger and stronger, stronger and stronger. Time and again, the tranquility, the purity, the peace of the surface mind gets broken. A volcanic eruption from the depth comes and you are again overpowered. And you forget all about your peace or harmony or purity. Again, you are the same person. So Buddha said, you have to work at the depth, at the root of the mind. You have got a poisonous tree in your compound. So dangerous. You cut it off. Good, you cut it off. But the roots are still there. Another will sprout. Another will sprout. Cut the root. Work with the root. Cut off the root. And then nothing will sprout. So work at the root level of the mind, where the impurities keep on arising, keep on multiplying, keep on overpowering you. Start there. And that is the point where the mind contacts the body at the level of sensation. Therefore, the technique wants you to go to the depth where you feel sensations, feel sensations throughout the body, different kinds of sensations. And then you feel that every time I generate any impurity in the mind, anger, hatred, ill will, animosity, passion, fear, any impurity, I lose the peace of my mind. I lose the happiness of my mind. I lose the balance of my mind. I'm a miserable person. What I'm doing? I'm harming myself. When you go to the depth of the mind, and very subtle oscillations, very subtle oscillations, neither pleasant nor unpleasant, just neutral, and suddenly you generated something very defiled, anger or hatred, it gets disturbed, and you become very miserable. Another reality which was discovered by this enlightened person, which every student of Vipassana discovers by experience, don't accept because Buddha said so, don't just accept because your teacher says so, don't just accept a particular book says so, with your own experience you will find that as soon as 
you perform any unwholesome action, physical or vocal. You can't perform an unwholesome action without generating some impurity or the other in the mind. First you have to generate impurity in the mind. Then you perform unwholesome action. You want to kill somebody. How will you kill somebody without generating anger, hatred, ill will, animosity? And a good meditator will find. Well, I have started harming myself. The moment you generate anger and you observe your sensations in the body, burning sensation throughout the body, palpitation has increased, tensions have increased, you are so miserable. So, before you killed anybody, you made yourself miserable. Then the words of Buddha become so clear. Pubbe hanati attanan pacha hanati sopare. First you harm yourself, then only you harm others. You can't harm anybody without first harming yourself. Law of nature, it is so. When we observe this law of nature, naturally one starts coming out of it. Nobody wants to harm oneself. Nobody wants to live an unhappy life, miserable life. Everyone wants to live a peaceful life, harmonious life. Having gone to that depth, you experience what peace is, what harmony is. And now you generate again something which makes you so disturbed, so unhappy. How will you kill somebody without killing that, before killing? There is a warning from inside that look what you are doing. These sensations keep you giving you warning. What you are doing? You are harming yourself. And you experience, yes, I am harming myself. You steal something not belonging to you. You can't steal without generating tremendous greed in your mind. And you will find the moment you generate greed, you lost your peace. You lost your harmony. You lost the balance of the mind. You are a miserable person. One commits sexual misconduct. How can one commit sexual misconduct? Rape or adultery? How? Without generating enormous passion, lust. Again, a good meditator will know. Well, look, what is happening? As soon as you generate passion or lust, you have lost the peace of your mind. You have lost the harmony of your mind. You have lost the balance of your mind. You have become a miserable person. Nobody wants to live a miserable life. Similarly, any action, vocal, unwholesome vocal action, you can't perform such unwholesome vocal action without generating an unwholesome impurity in the mind. And every time you generate impurity in the mind, you are the first victim of your impurity. You are the first victim of your negativity. You harm somebody else later on. It becomes so clear and it's law of nature. This is the truth. Anybody and everybody can experience that and start coming out of this wrong habit of generating defilement, harming others, harming oneself, the life becomes more and more moral. A moral life becomes your habit pattern. It takes time. Not that in 10 days you become a Buddha and you, you are abstained from all such activities, but you get a path. How to come out of this mad habit? How to go to the depth where these impurities arise and they start multiplying? And you are aware. You stop there. Stop there how? Again, by understanding the truth, you are experiencing a certain vibration, a certain sensation. And you realize that every sensation, however unpleasant, gross, solidified, intensified, every sensation it is not eternal. It arises, seems to stay for some time, but sooner or later passes away. Arises, stays, passes away. And when you come across very subtle vibrations, very subtle vibrations, very pleasant, 
they also have the same characteristic. Arising, passing, arising, passing. These are wavelets. Arising, passing, arising, passing with great rapidity. Same characteristic. So the entire phenomena of mind and matter constantly changing, always in a flow, always in a flux. Something which is constantly changing, what is the sense of generating craving towards it? What is the sense of generating aversion towards it? You understand, not merely at the intellectual level. Now you are understanding at the actual level, at the experiential level. And the habit pattern starts changing, changing. One starts coming out of misery at the root level. And as the mind becomes purer and purer, again the law of nature is such, when the mind becomes purer and purer, it starts generating naturally positive emotions, love, compassion, goodwill. That will become the habit of the mind. A pure mind always generates love, pure love. A pure love does not have a trace of passion or lust, pure love. Without expecting anything in return, one-way traffic, you just give pure love, compassionate love. That becomes the habit. And when you generate love, compassion, goodwill, you notice that you are so much happy inside. There is so much of peace, so much of harmony. More and more you practice Vipassana at this stage, more and more you start understanding the law of nature, universal law of nature. The law of nature wants you to live in line with the law, don't break the law. Or if somebody wants to say the God, the God Almighty wants you not to break the law. What the law is, keep your mind pure. If you keep the mind pure, you will get reward here and now. If you break this law and you defile your mind, you will get punishment here and now. Not after death. After death also, of course, you will get some result. But now, more important is now. As soon as you generate any impurity, you are punished. The law of nature is such. You live in a country and the government has some laws and you don't, you keep on breaking the law. You are punished by the government. But punishment of the government may come after a few years. You go from one court to the other, appeals after appeals, it may take a long time. But the law of nature is such. Immediately, instantly you get the punishment. You have broken the law. You generate defilement. You have broken the purity of your mind. You are, you are punished then and there. You become miserable. Miserable, deep inside. You started living the, according to the law, a law-abiding citizen. And then you find you get rewards, then and there. You feel so peaceful, so harmonious, so much happiness. Peace for you and peace for others. Another reality will become very clear. When you generate defilement, negativity, you are the first victim of that, you become miserable. You never keep this misery limited to yourself. When you generate misery of anger or hatred, you keep on throwing this misery on others. You make others miserable. The entire atmosphere around you becomes so tense, full of misery, full of hatred. Anybody who comes in contact with this atmosphere feels misery. What you are doing? Harming yourself and harming others. And on the other hand, you purify your mind. You feel so peaceful, so much of harmony. The entire atmosphere around you gets charged with the vibration of peace and harmony. Anybody, however agitated this person may be, comes in contact with you, starts feeling peace, harmony. This is a good way of life, proper way of life. 
for every person. Whether one belongs to this tradition or that tradition, this religion or that religion, makes no difference. Human being is human being, human mind is human mind. Whether one is white or black or brown or yellow makes no difference. Male or female makes no difference. A Pakistani or Indian makes no difference. A Israeli or Palestinian makes no difference. Human being is human being. Out of madness we keep on harming ourselves and harming others. Once we learn this technique, not merely understanding at the intellectual level. It is good to understand at the intellectual level, which will give you inspiration, which will give you guidance, but actually you have to practice it. At the experiential level, you have to understand the law of nature, how out of ignorance I keep on harming myself. The whole life I have been keeping harming myself, whole life I have been harming others. What sort of life I was living? Life starts changing, life pattern starts changing. And that is how very hard criminals, criminals, some of them who are terrorists, when they get Vipassana, after just two, three or four courses of ten days, they start changing, they start changing. This is a remedy. The melody is universal. Misery is there throughout the world with everyone belonging to this community or that community, this religion or that religion, this belief or that belief, this color or that color. Misery is there. And this remedy, universal remedy, everybody can practice. When you observe your breath, what label you will give? This is a Hindu breath or Buddhist breath or Christian breath or Jewish breath is breath, a human breath. And when you start observing your impurity of the mind with the sensation on the body, can you say this anger is a Hindu anger or Buddhist anger or Christian anger or Jewish anger? Anger is anger and the misery that you feel, universal, everybody feels the same misery. And when you are free from that impurity and you enjoy peace and harmony, again it is universal. Everybody feels the same harmony, the same peace, but one has to work, work. You have to spare some time to learn this technique. Merely understanding at the intellectual level, it is good to give you some inspiration, but unless you experience yourself, you can't change the habit pattern of the mind. That is why... In this tradition, it is totally prohibited, totally prohibited for a Dhamma teacher, a Vipassana teacher to ask for donations, 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 totally prohibited. No donation must be asked. I break this rule. I ask donation. And I ask donation. Donation, give me ten valuable days of your life your invaluable life, give me ten days and enjoy peace and harmony for your good, for your benefit and so also for the good and benefit of so many others. Through you, how many other people will get inspiration and work and they will come out of misery. Understand there is no conversion involved. You are not getting converted from one organized religion to another organized religion. This is not the teaching of Vipassana. A Hindu will remain Hindu for the whole life, a Christian, a Christian, a Muslim, a Muslim, a Jewish, a Jewish, a human being. One becomes a good human being. If one is not a good human being, how can one be a good Hindu or good Muslim or good Buddhist or good Christian? Good human being, which means good life for you, which is good for others also. So spare ten days of your life and live a better life, happier life, peaceful life. May all of you enjoy 
peace and harmony peace and harmony happiness real happiness real happiness Excuse me. Are you a pope of Buddhism? I neither teach Buddhism nor I am a pope. I am an ordinary human being, a householder. I have learned this technique which has helped me which has made me so peaceful such a arrogant person short tempered person hot headed person what a big change came in my life how much peace and harmony i have gained i want to share that peace and harmony so nothing doing no no such <laughs> no such gurudam of this this religion or that religion be passionized for all religions and if somebody has no religion then also be passionate is good for this person i belong to mahayana faith i am afraid that i will lose compassion for all beings if i work only for myself oh no such a great wrong impression about we passion has gone if you are a mahayanist perfectly all right be mahayanist but buddha never taught hinayana or mahayana or tantrayana or dhyana he taught dhammayana which is for everybody all right you call yourself mahayana or you call yourself thira thiravadi makes no difference everyone of every branch of buddha's teaching accepts these inner essence shila samadhi panya and the reaction that we do with the with the sensation on the body pratitya samutpada is there law of cause and effect is there just practice that and keep on calling yourself i ayana or aniyana makes no difference you will have compassion if you are really practicing vipassana it will generate nothing but compassion for the others it is not selfishness you can't be selfish to just liberate yourself then you are not practicing vipassana if you liberate yourself by coming out of all the negativities what remains is love compassion and goodwill and that is one with everybody what is your message to the various expatriate population in canada all those who have come from different countries to this great country of canada i would say you should be grateful to this wonderful country so magnanimously and liberally it has accepted you to live in this country to have any profession in this country earn money all that you are earning is because you are living in this country so always remain loyal to this country never do anything which will harm the people of this country or the government of this country never do anything always support 
and you are coming from different countries, maybe from India or from Pakistan or Vietnam or China or Japan, from wherever you are coming, you will become a cementing factor to develop the strength of the friendship of these two countries. You will work on those, those ways, but never harm this country. You, you may have loyalty to your mother country also from where you are coming, but more loyalty should be country where you are staying now to the people. Be grateful to them that they have given you all the opportunity to stay here, live here. I was so pleased when this morning somebody told me, especially this city, wonderful city, all the religions of the world, people are here from all the religions, from all the cultures, and they are living so peacefully, so harmoniously. This is Dhamma. This is the way of life. But go deeper so that you can have more love, more compassion, and more peace, more harmony. My husband needs this technique. How do I convince him? <laughs> it, it shows that you need this technique more. Why you have aversion towards your husband? Have love and compassion. Practice this and you have so much love and compassion. And when your husband will see that big changes come in you, he will get attracted naturally. And he will also start practicing. This is the only way to bring your spouse to the, to the path. Reiki is called universal life force energy. When I too am a part of the universe, how can Reiki be harmful to practice of Vipassana? Understand, again, another misunderstanding, we are not against Reiki. By Reiki, if somebody is helping someone to come out of the misery, misery of some this illness or that illness, wonderful, we support that. But don't mix it with Vipassana, that, that will become harmful. Vipassana is to observe your own vibrations, natural vibration. When you generate a defilement, anger, or hatred, or passion, or ego, what sort of vibration you feel? When you generate love, compassion, what kind of vibration you feel? There is natural vibration, your own vibration. And if input is given of some outside vibration, there might be a clash inside. Not in every case, but we have found in some cases, people have gone out of uh, the mental, mental peace. They have become mental cases, so we have to be very careful. We are not here to harm anybody. Whatever help we can give to the people, we give people. Practice Vipassana. Keep it away from any other kind of technique. If you want to practice Reiki, practice Reiki, but keep yourself away from Vipassana. Don't mix these two kinds of vibration. They might be harmful for you. I am an old student. What is the best way to maintain a daily discipline of sitting? Have a strong determination that I must sit every day, morning and evening. How many times you take your meals? Breakfast, lunch, then tea, and then again dinner, or maybe sometimes supper. You keep on giving this food to the body to make it, keep it healthy and strong. Mind also wants food. Two times you have to give this food to the mind. You meditate twice in the morning and evening, your mind becomes sound, healthy, strong. This is very important for you. Can I practice Vipassana while doing yoga and get the same result? Wonderful. Yoga, asana and pranayam part of yoga is very good. It is to keep your body healthy. It's a, it's a body exercise. 
but don't mix up any kind of meditation in the name of yoga vipassana should be kept free from all other kinds of meditations but have physical exercise yoga wonderful and have mental exercise with vipassana wonderful you can have both what to do about guilt regret self punishment all of them are wrong you started generating negativity towards yourself oh look i did this i did this and you keep on repenting it does not help never try to justify the wrong that you have done remember and accept that that i made a mistake and make a decision in future this will never happen have a strong decision never happen and practice vipassana by vipassana whatever impact you have of the past it will start coming on the surface this is the law of nature according to vipassana it comes on the surface you are equanimous it comes on the surface you are equanimous layers after layers of that impact will pass away chunks after chunks will pass away you will have a mem- memory of that but you, that you won't have misery because of that practice vipassana and you will come out of all, all this misery i have an anxiety disorder obsessive compulsive disorder can this technique cure my mind of this certainly it is for this purpose any kind of impurity in the mind makes you so miserable and this technique takes away all these impurities if you have anxiety and if you are a good vipassana meditator after you learn properly another great discovery made by this enlightened person nothing can arise in the mind without a sensation on the body and this is truth which he realized he discovered so if there is anxiety there must be a sensation on the body related to anxiety so you keep on accepting the fact there is anxiety in my mind at this moment not anxiety due to this or that nothing doing anxiety as anxiety and what sensation there must be a sensation on the body any sensation that you feel on the body is related to the anxiety and keep on observing sensation it is not eternal it is not eternal it arises passes away so anxiety which is related to the sensation is also not permanent it is not eternal not eternal it becomes weaker 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 and passes away and you are liberated from that any kind of disorder of the mind it manifests at this anxiety or that anxiety this worry or that worry and you keep on observing with the sensation and you will be out of it why are we here on earth why is life so hard <laughs> you are responsible for that none else you are responsible if i am living a hard life i am responsible just find out that why we came on this earth we are responsible for that and we are every moment we are taking new birth and dying away new birth and dying away every moment birth death birth death who is responsible we are responsible and every moment we generate impurity impurity and we become miserable who is responsible we are responsible we can easily come out of it and we personally will help you give me 10 days of your life <laughs> what is the difference between lust and passion and what role do they play in the life of a vipassana meditator passion can be positive can be negative but lust 
it always overpowers you and you lose this sense of the mastery of your mind. So if you are a slave of lust, then quite possible. And I have come across people who are slave of lust. They become sex maniac, running here, running there, running here. And people who have taken law of, a vow of celibacy, I will remain celibate for the whole life. And yet, they keep on breaking, because of lust, they keep on breaking this law. And they keep on having crime, such kind of heinous crime. It's all because of this lust. Come out of it. And you will find that you are a happier person. How do you forgive your enemies? Who is enemy? Who has done you some harm? You call him enemy. But whenever somebody does anything harm to you, he, he or she cannot do unless generating some impurity or the other. And every time this person generates impurity, he's a miserable person. Now you know with your experience of Vipassana, this person is a miserable person. Burning, all the time burning. And somebody is burning, you don't feel like throwing petrol on this person. You feel like throwing some cold water. Have metta, love, compassion for this person. But if he keeps on harming you, this does not mean that I am a Vipassana meditator, let anybody harm me, like a vegetable, let anybody come and cut me. No, this is not dharma. You have to stop this person from doing that. With all the love and compassion, explain what you are doing. You are harming yourself, harming others. If this person does not understand soft language, soft action, take hard action. Have hard language, nothing wrong. But without anger, without hatred, Otherwise, you started harming yourself. So, before you take any strong action, first examine what sensations you are having. Few seconds, what sensations, and see you are equanimous with the sensation. You are not generating any kind of anger or hatred. Then take a strong action. It won't harm you, it won't harm the other person also. It will have good effect on the other person. And with anger, if you say something, it won't have any good effect. Anger will generate only anger. Animity, animosity will bring, generate only animosity. Nothing, no good result will come. So this technique will help you to help yourself and help others. What level of enlightenment have you achieved? <laughs> if I say I'm fully enlightened, will you agree? <laughs> and if I say I'm not enlightened, then you will say, why I waste my time with this person? Enlightenment is progressive enlightenment. I remember before Vipassana, I was such an unenlightened person, such an ignorant person. And after that, how enlightenment started, little, little, little. I've changed myself. I'm living a better life. So my way of life, my way of behavior with, with the people, that is the only way to judge whether I'm enlightened or not, or how much enlightened. And get that enlightenment yourself also. Have you ever met the Dalai Lama? Could you comment on his technique? A wonderful saintly person. Such a wonderful saintly person. He's so close to me. We have been meeting so many times. He came to my house and so many functions we are together. And he knows what I am teaching. And he's so happy. What you are teaching is perfectly all right. And whatever he's teaching, we have nothing, no comment. Whatever he teaches, the base is the same. The base of living a moral life, a controlled mind, and a pure mind with love, compassion, and goodwill is the same. I remember 
he invited me to give a course to the high grade lamas in dharamshala i gave a course i was so pleased to serve them at the end of the course when i met him again and he met his students his lamas and then he said all these days i had a wrong concept that these heenyanis or theravadis they don't have compassion they only work for themselves and now whatever i hear about you so much of compassion so from today onwards i have taken away that kind of wrong judgment that i am making so very wonderful person and very saintly person and i am happy to say that i am so close to him can we hear from your wife is she happy <laughs> look how much i have spoken and i keep on speaking for hours together if she also keeps on speaking you'll all get bored you run away from your house so let one man speak good enough and she does her job she is with me all the time and giving love compassion vibrations to everybody and that is why you all listen so calmly pin drop silence because of her so her presence is very necessary what is the fifth precept abstain from intoxicants taking intoxicants all the first four will always get broken when you are slave of intoxicants i found when i give courses to many people and especially when i give courses in the in the prison majority of the crimes people those who committed those crimes are under the influence of alcohol so this is precept is very important and for a vipassana meditator one will understand as one progresses on the path even a drop of this alcohol going inside or drug going inside anything intoxicant going inside one will lose the balance of the mind the meditation will become weak one cannot feel the reality as it is so this fifth precept is very important how can i live more simply in a complicated society let the society be complicated why you want to become complicated <laughs> you live a simple life they are miserable if they are living complicated life have compassion on them but don't follow them don't become miserable yourself is the knowledge of chakras useful in vipassana chavada chakras when the vipassana was lost in the country unfortunately it worked only about 500 years in india after that totally got lost went to other countries there also it got lost only one country maintained in its pristine purity myanmar burma and very few people from teacher to people from teacher to people they maintained the purity and that is why it has come back so when the country of origin india lost it there was still a memory that there was a technique where every particle of the body every atom of the body got enlivened and you feel sensations everywhere so pleasant subtle vibrations and they were seeking for that how to get it how to get it with different kinds of asanas and bandha and all that they felt some sensation some sensation on the spinal cord these nerve centers on the spinal cord they started getting sensation ah wonderful yes wonderful when people doesn't have any sensation subtle sensation they start feeling some sensation good 
But Vipassana takes you to the stage where you feel sensation on every particle of the body. The spinal cord is a part of the body and you feel sensations there. So without denouncing anything that people are doing, practice Vipassana and you will have understood what is the difference between the two. Why levitation happens during meditation? If you look for levitation, then you're not practicing properly. All these kinds of things come, but keep on understanding they are impermanent, they are not eternal, not eternal. One feels so light as if one is flying in the air. Open your eyes and see, you're not flying in the air, you're just sitting in the air. <laughs> Madness, different kinds of hallucinations will come. Don't give importance to these hallucinations. Keep on living with the truth as it is. Can very elderly people practice this technique or is it better suited for you? It is suited for everyone. Human being is human being. Very elderly people are coming to the courses. I remember one very old lady, 93 years old, and she came to the course, she worked all right, and at the 10th day she was so happy. She was carrying a stick when she came, with a bent back, and 10th day she threw away that, that stick. I have not thrown away, I still keep it. <laughs> the benefit is there for everyone, whoever works. Age is no problem, of course, if you have got problems, some physical problems, and all comforts will be given. As you live in your house so properly, people have come, coming in the wheelchair in the Dhamma hall, in the meditation hall, going to the residence in the wheelchair, nothing wrong. So all comforts will be given. There will be somebody to look after you. Did you ever meet Mother Teresa? If so, what was her message to you? Unfortunately, I didn't meet, but I met a number of the students of Mother Teresa, and whatever information I get, she was a saintly person, very saintly person, always having compassion for others and working for the good of others. If I had met, I would have, I would have experienced her vibrations, but whatever I heard from others, she was really a saintly person. What is a man's relation, relationship to God? What is God? God is truth. God is love. God is compassion. God is purity. You keep on developing those qualities in you. Be with the truth, first important thing. Our saints, after Buddha also, all the saints, they gave so importance to truth. Be with the truth. And one of our saints says, Adi such, Jugadi such, Habi such, Nanakahosi be such. You start with the truth. Always you will start with the gross truth. But as you proceed, subtler, subtler, subtler. Subtlest truth pertaining to the matter. Subtlest truth pertaining to the mind and mental contents. Then you transcend that and you experience the ultimate truth. All the field of mind and matter, arising, passing, arising, passing, is impermanent. But when you experience something beyond that, it is eternal. Nothing rises, nothing passes. And the aim of all the meditators to reach that stage. So it works with the truth only. If you forget truth and you start having imaginations, then you can't reach that stage. You will get caught up with bigger imagination. So leave imagination aloof. Remain with the truth, truth that you experience from moment to moment. Kim kim tutte pal, rajai All the saints in India, they said the same thing. Be with the truth, and then you will understand the law of nature. 
hukum rajai what is the law of the nature what this nature wants or what the god, god almighty wants the law is remain pure don't break this law otherwise you will be punished and this becomes so clear by your own experience so the truth is most important remain with the truth all others will come automatically what do buddhists believe about life after death something i want to clarify if there is time there is no such thing as buddhism there is no such thing as buddhist buddha never taught buddhism buddha never made a single person a buddhist we have got 15000 pages of his words and 30 35 pages of commentaries and sub commentaries we are put that all in the cd rom and there is such search program there and we found this word buddhism is missing the word buddhist is missing in sanskrit or, or in pali we say buddh the word buddh is missing he taught dhamma everywhere he says dhamma dharma dharma and those who follow dharmiko dharmik dharmik dhamma is law of nature which is universal for everybody and dhammiko is one who is following the law of nature this is what buddha taught so there is no such thing as buddhism but people have started calling it buddhism nothing wrong but one must keep on understanding that buddha's teaching is dharma if it is buddhism then it is only for the buddhist like hinduism only for the hindus christianity for the christians judaism for the jews islam for the muslims dhamma is for all law of nature is for all and buddha taught something which is applicable to everyone it is for all and what was the question <laughs> you believe about life after death as i said every moment there is death and a new life death and new life same thing will happen at the end of the life why worry for that be aware of the present moment this is much more important and the future it will be taken care of future is nothing but the product of the present as the present is nothing but the product of the past you make your present all right and don't care what happens in the future it will be always good need not worry at the death you will get promotion no demotion <laughs> what is the exact meaning regarding rediscovered by buddha yes rediscovered this gautama was not the only buddha before him there were so many buddhas and everyone who becomes a buddha becomes buddha by, by realizing the truth within oneself by vipassana and interval between one buddha and the other buddha is so big by the time words remain but the meaning gets lost the technique gets lost sometimes the words also get lost when i went to my teacher i come from a very staunch conservative hindu family and when i went to my teacher he said i will teach you a technique of your country and we call it vipassana vipassana i wondered what is this word i never heard i went back home and go, went through the hindi dictionary the word was not there i went through the sanskrit dictionary that i had the word was not there so even this word got lost what to talk of the technique so that is why we say rediscovered because the past buddha had discovered it or re- again he also rediscovered it made it popular people made use of it and slowly it got lost anybody again becomes buddha will again rediscover it make it popular for the good of the people do you feel prayer is useful what do you think of prayer 
well when you pray something to get something you crave something then with vipassana you will lose that but you pray you pray to any god or goddess or with whom you have got devotion faith then remember the quality of this person and get inspiration to develop those very qualities in you that is the best way of paying respect that's the best way of pray, praying if you don't get those qualities and you expect something wonderful to happen i am full of impurity and i would want to get union with the ultimate truth whom we call god which is nothing but purity how can that union be there so i develop those quality i become purer and purer and purer and become more and more love compassion goodwill i become union with the ultimate truth so become a god yourself so much great art music etc was inspired by passion how will great art be produced without passion take ten devi passion and you will know how it will help artist becomes better artist a poet becomes a better poet a writer becomes a better writer everybody in any kind of profession becomes more efficient in that in that profession why because mind is purer and purer you will have a, a art prepared by you but that will not harm anybody it will not generate craving it generate and generate generate violence towards others harming towards others it will generate love and compassion and it will be appreciated by everyone but one has to practice and then see the result that result will always be good for you any more there are many more you give only this much and after that i am liberated be happy what is our responsibility to our aging parents who do not do any spiritual practice there is no meritorious deed no meritorious deed greater than serving one's old mother and father this is so important if somebody wants to live a life of dharma a big responsibility is to look after the old mother old father one says i don't care about mother or father i am on the spiritual path i get my liberation then just now that question came that you are only so selfish you want only your liberation no but the best service that you can give to your old mother old father is encourage them and take them to a course of 10 days that is the best present <laughs> because they will change their life otherwise they are miserable all the time they are worrying worrying when the old age comes one starts worrying about the old age look there are wrinkles near my eyes the eyes have become swollen oh look i am not so firm i walk with a stick worry worry and fear all the time oh look death is coming death is coming that will all go away one will keep smiling with every situation and when the death comes one is so happy to face the death no vipassana meditator as far as our information goes just two three cases where we didn't get proper information no vipassana meditator has died unconsciously no vipassana meditator has died in fear or crying 
everybody dies smilingly, observing the breath, observing the sensation and passes away. So, art of dying, help your parents to learn art of dying. And for art of dying, you have to learn art of living. So, bring them to the course and serve them properly so that they can get this art of living and also art of dying and live the rest of the life very peacefully and harmoniously. How come the country that kept the tradition pure is in such a mess? <laughs> Unfortunately, the country has lost Vipassana. If there was Vipassana, this country would have never been in mess. Because every country, wherever it went, it lost Vipassana, lost Vipassana. But the time has ripened now. I find everywhere there is encouragement and people are coming to the courses. Every center that we have, always they have with some waiting list, always waiting list. That means people are now interested and more and more centers are coming up. So many people come to listen Dhamma. How will they come? Because they have learned, they have heard from somebody that this is a good path. Let me see what this path is. Let me see what this fellow coming from India, what he is going to teach us, what he says. So they come and they get inspired. And I see many of them, they start coming to the 10-day courses. And many of them help to have centers more and more so that people get more and more benefit. So when the Vipassana again starts, time has now ripened for Vipassana to start again. The clock of Vipassana has struck and more and more people get benefit. The country of origin will also get benefit. Other countries will also get benefit and the world will be better than what it is today. Can this technique be learned at home? That means you don't want to come in a course for 10 days. You are so busy. How can I spare 10 days? I come from a business house, a business family. About half of my life I spent in business. So I know business people, how they bargain. So when I went to my teacher, I said, Sir, how can I spare 10 days? I am such a busy person. So much of responsibility, business responsibility, industrial responsibility, social responsibility, family responsibility. But look, I am a very intelligent person. You give me your technique, I'll practice at home and I'll get the benefit. My teacher just laughed. All right, I'll come for one day. You teach me and then I practice at home. Nothing doing. You have to spare ten days, as I explained you. First three days necessary to make the mind sharp to feel, to feel the sensations. And then it takes time to feel all kinds of sensations. And then it takes time to train the mind to remain equanimous with the sensation. Ten days is a very short period. Give ten days of your life and you will find that you are not wasted. Hundreds and thousands of people who have taken Vipassana, not a single person has said to me or to others that I wasted my ten days. Nobody wastes ten days. They get benefit, less or more, according to the efforts that they make. You have been instrumental in bringing the Dhamma to so many people. Are you worried that a Goenka sect or cult might begin when you pass away? <laughs> then I am not, not teaching properly. If my teaching will, become, will bring a cult, that is a wrong teaching. How can it bring a cult? People who practice the truth, the reality of the vibrations, really to the impurity, and observing it equanimously, how they come out of it, will not miss the technique, they will maintain it. If you start mixing something else with it, then whatever you mix, that will become predominant and Vipassana will go away. 
Like the spirituality, everybody talks of spirituality. People from every religion say spirituality. Our religion has got spirituality, moral life, peaceful life, harmonious life. Our religion, but I don't practice. So if you don't practice and it is only in your religion, what's the use of it? Similarly, people will keep on talking. We also accept Vipassana is good. Vipassana is good, but I don't practice. If you don't practice, what you will gain? If people keep on practice, it will not turn into a cult or a, or a, or a sect. I am taking antidepressant meditation, medication. Will this hinder my Vipassana practice? Should I stop taking them? Don't stop taking now. Come to Vipassana and then you will get rid of it easily. Because you get a better medicine. The best medicine is Vipassana. When you are observing, when there is a depression, you just accept the fact there is depression in my mind at this moment. After you practice Vipassana, there is depression in my mind. Not depression due to this or due to that, nothing doing. Again, it will become intellectual game only. There is depression, abstract depression as depression. And according to law of nature, nothing can arise in the mind without a sensation in the body. So certainly there is a sensation in the body which is related to this depression. Accept there is depression and keep on observing the sensation. Impermanent, impermanent, look, arising, passing, arising, passing, not eternal. So this depression is also not eternal. Let me see how long it lasts. It becomes weaker, weaker and passes away. A wonderful technique to help you to come out of all kinds of miseries. Miseries are because of the mind, the defilement of the mind. And when you observe the defilement of the mind with sensation, understanding it is impermanent, keeping your mind equanimous with that, you are coming out of that particular defilement, you are coming out of that particular misery that you are feeling. So spare ten days and experience the technique and enjoy real peace. Real harmony, real happiness, real happiness.